UMass. Can't you just get excited for UMass? You know what? It is Generations of Greatness game, in case people kind of forgot about that. So we do get to see some cool uniforms today. Um, but otherwise, welcome into the podcast. It looks like we're going to have a stormy and rainy homecoming uh, to break things down and to talk a little bit of recruiting. We'll be PSU Dylan. We'll be joining us in just one second. Thanks for being here. Let's get in the show, everybody. Hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane and friend of the pod, second time on the show, PSU Dylan. Dylan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm living the dream. Thank, thanks for being with us today. Um, a little bit weird. We are doing our preview show tonight on Monday night. Uh, because we will not have a show on Wednesday. So thank you for joining us. You'll be guest picking for us a little bit later on. Um, but kind of a lot to talk about as we head out of the bye week and into game week again. Penn State takes on the ultra-tough UMass Minutemen on Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Looking like it's going to be a rainy day, so pack your raincoat. Um, Penn State is favored 42 and a half to, to win that game. So um obviously some attention's already turned to ohio state but we'll get there when we get there um dylan just generally what are your thoughts on this penn state team so far as they uh they head into the second half of their season yeah i mean like we were talking about a little bit off the air they still got everything in front of them i mean it's there's a lot of excitement there a little bit to work on though um you just kind of got to hope that they make those corrections that are needed to get at least one of those two big games but um i mean i'd we were talking about Ohio State too. I think they have what it takes in the trenches to beat Ohio State this year. So, um, they they Ohio State looks really rough in the trenches. So, they're already talking past UMass and about Ohio State, but um, I I I can't wait for that game. I'm so excited to watch how it plays out. 
Yeah, it, it's honestly hard, right? And a lot of our listeners have had that same kind of dilemma. It's it's difficult to not talk about the Ohio State, to not talk about the Michigans. Thankfully, though, I mean, barring complete disaster, Penn State can look ahead a little bit. I mean, they were able to get through Illinois. They were able to get through West Virginia and Iowa. Um, no real threat to lose to UMass on Saturday. And Ohio State then does loom on the other side. So I think it's fair to start peeking ahead a little bit. Even some of the assistant coaches, Manny Diaz, kind of didn't give bulletin board, but at the same time ended up giving bulletin board material to Ohio State while not doing it. Um, I'm not really exactly sure how that works, but um, but somehow he was able to do that. Uh, so I think even these coaches are are looking ahead a little bit. Well, I think that's natural, right? Like, um, I think the coaches are so focused on keeping it one game at a time with the players, but I think you're crazy if you don't think Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich aren't looking ahead a little bit to the Michigans, to the Ohio States of the world, because that's ultimately what the season is going to come down to. Uh, whether or not we cover the spread against UMass this week, it really isn't relevant in the grand scheme of things. Sean, it, depends, to- it depends who you're talking to. I mean, just just saying. Sometimes bad. Well, is, yeah, there could, for some people it means a lot to cover. Is spread, all that you know. matters. <laughs> That's already moving in Penn State's favor. It's 43 now. Moved up a half a point already. Oh, wow. I'm glad when I got it when I did. Yeah. Not to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Dylan, look, you know, you are the, the man, the myth, and the legend when it comes to recruiting. We actually had quite a bit of recruiting questions kind of coming in during the bye. Uh, so your your presence is, is felt at the perfect time. So the 2024 class starting to wrap up. Penn State just got, a, what, three commits in September um revolving mostly around 2025 but 2024 is almost wrapped up i mean we're talking two months from now right november yeah two months until basically early signing day um what are your thoughts on the 2024 class and do you think they still might be able to add a couple more pieces yeah i I think it's a really solid class they got 24 right now so i think maybe three four more guys still um they're monitoring quite a few guys committed to other schools like just working on the flip i mean they they could probably flip some names right now, but they're kind of, you know, they don't want to like adjust their evaluations just to like land a couple more kids in the class. They're going to stick to their evaluations and, you know, get who they actually want on the roster in the future. So they're kind of just riding those out. I think, I think we'll see at least probably a couple of those come to fruition. I don't have anyone in particular, but usually that's how it works. You know, they can get a couple of those guys in late, like KV on keys last year comes, comes to mind. Um, but I, I think they'll end around probably 27, 28 guys. Another top 10 class, like fringe top 10. I think third in a row uh, that's either top 10 or fringe top 10, that's important to start stacking classes like that. Um, it might not be a top 10 class every year, but if you continue to stack like this type of talent, I think they're kind of moving up a little bit in recruiting. Um, if you look at it over 2022 through 2024 classes, um, it just maybe not a whole nother level, but it seems like they are moving up and recruiting like a little bit. Um, it, it's encouraging to see. I think they're doing a pretty good job on the trail. Yeah. Um, one of the names that you hear over and over again is Jalen Harvey. And we thought in June he might commit and then he didn't commit. Then it looked like he wasn't going to come here maybe. And then 
uh, because Maryland and then USC got involved. So where does Penn State stand right now with Mr. Harvey? Yeah, personally, I think they're still on top, but it's obviously a close race or else he probably would have committed publicly by now. Um, obviously, like a lot of the listeners have probably heard like rumblings that he wants to wrap it up this month in October. But he's said that two or three times now. So you just never know with him, I guess. Um, but I'd, I'd still probably lean Penn State right now. I don't have anything definitive, but I'd, I'd say USC is probably running second. But you never know with Maryland either because it's Maryland. They get one of those hometown kids to stay back in Maryland and commit to them every year. That kind of shocks people. So you can't really rule them out either. But I'd, if I had to pick right now, I'd say Penn State for Jalen Harvey. That makes me feel better. Yeah, the uh, hashtag movement. I think that's what they call it out in Maryland. So. Um... Uh, that they showed what they moved into on Saturday, which was their shell in the second half. <laughs> Anyhow, um, besides Jalen Harvey, uh, who is uncommitted right? Because I know you talked about some flips and it's hard to tell right now. Uh, who are we still, who's Penn State still looking at? What positions do you think they're going to focus on to finish this class up? Um, I would say position-wise, they probably still want another receiver. Um, you're obviously like always going to be looking in the trenches, whether that's offensive line and defensive line. And I think they take one more of each, probably preferably tackle at both, both, uh, both lines, offensive tackle, defensive tackle. Um, and then anyone really like, uh, like Cam Coleman, like of his caliber, I think they're trying to get him in and for official visit. He's not uncommitted, but still A&M commit. They're trying to get on campus for an official visit. Um, anyone of his caliber that is going to make the team better, they'll make room for, you know, a plus one type of guy. So, but mainly I'd say receiver and then in the trenches. Yeah. And then, you know, Nikar, he shut down his, uh, I don't think he's coming uh, to visit or anything. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. Um, is there anybody else at, um, is there anybody else? Uh, you, so you said Cam Coleman, I know. Um, so when you talk about stacking classes, let's talk about that. Like, what do you think qualifies as stacking classes? Cause you hear that term a lot and we've used it too on the pod. Like, what do you really consider, uh, you know, what makes a class good enough to stack? Yeah, well, I would, I would say it's like relative to the level your program's on and for Penn state stacking a class is, as I kind of mentioned, like either top 10 or like fringe top 10. And I'd say a complete class is like really helpful if you have, you know, like rounded out at every position, like um, you, you hate to go stars, but like if you got blue chips at every position, you know, that's a good sign. You don't want to have one position where you're like banking on all project guys, like three stars. So, I mean, that's important too, but I'd, I'd say just top to bottom, if you have a solid class where you got blue chips at every position um, and then on Penn State's level, you want to have that top 10 to fringe top 10, top 12, I think is fair. If you have, you know, what they're going on right now, three top 12 classes in a row, maybe more than that, but I think it's three. Um, then I'd, I'd say that's, that qualifies as stacking classes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, it's just a term that's thrown around a lot and God, we even use it here. Um, but I just got to kind of know what I'm talking about here when I can, when I'm thinking about uh, what it means to stack classes. Um, and then the other thing we talked about this last time you were here and um it's nil so we know penn state is running behind when it comes to nil 
Uh, do you think they're closer to where they need to be to be able to compete with the uh, great to elite teams in the country when it comes to recruiting? I think Penn State's approach to NIL to begin with kind of sets them apart because they're not all for like buying these like high school buying these high school recruits um, and just throwing money at them to get them there. They're more focused on you know come in here, we're going to develop you, we're going to um, embrace you into our like family atmosphere. You know, you're going to make a lot of connections here. We're going to put you in the NFL. Um, it's just not all about NIL, like maybe at like A&M or Miami. Um, but as far as like where they're at, I would say they are still improving, but they do have a long way to go until they're at the point where they like truly would be satisfied with it. Um, but I mean, they're better than they were a few months ago. So they're obviously a big season as well. Like we saw with basketball, that would help a ton if they can go 11 and one, make a playoff. Um maybe win a playoff game that would that would help a lot to kind of get more of those big boosters to be more committed to the program and you know financially help them out you know i don't want to talk too much about 2025 but i mean it's early in the 2025 class have those guys already been reaching out to you have you already started to, to develop those relationships is there anyone that kind of sticks out so far in that class or maybe maybe hasn't even committed yet, but are, are are warm and at least building that relationship with you. Yeah, I mean, on on a base level, like I've talked a little bit with uh, Keandre Barker. He, a lot of people like have asked about him just because he's from Texas and it was kind of random when he committed to Penn State um, on a surface level. But he kind of grew up a Penn State fan, like he looked up to Saquon. Um, so I, from like talks with him, I can say like he he seems pretty solid and he you. Wouldn't have to like worry about him flipping or looking elsewhere. He's he's got an offer since he committed here too, like Oregon, I think Texas since he committed here, and he just hasn't really been looking around much. So, um, I would I would say he's one of those guys that I'm talking to a little bit. I mean, we only have five commits right now, so I'm it's not like a priority to like reach out to them to me, but like I don't know, it it happens sometimes. And Keandre is a pretty cool guy that we've kind of built a little relationship, so. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with 2025, who do you think uh, could be coming down the pike as somebody who could uh, be to be um, on the lookout to who we're looking out um, to maybe be deciding soon who might be uh, committing to Penn State? And put me on the spot here. Um, yeah, your crystal ball, if you will. <laughs> um, let me look at something real quick. Sorry, this is like very off script. Um, I mean, I would say Josh Williams and then Michael Carroll. I had to get those names real quick. Those two in-state linemen, I think either of them could be um, like a possible pop at any time, um, especially if we see them come up for another game. I know they're both kind of – nothing set in stone yet, but they're looking at coming up for the Michigan game. So they're both interior guys, so you don't have to take them like right away. But, I mean, they're – in-state guys are really solid prospects. I think at least one of those guys could be coming maybe in the next month or two. I wouldn't say anything's imminent, but it's they're, they're both um, – I would say Penn State's the solid number one for both of those. Awesome, awesome. And just to bring it back to the current team, who's a guy who hasn't played yet uh, or has played very limited, uh, the, you know, a freshman that you think is going gonna, is gonna to be a star at this, at this level? 
would you say a star this year or just in the future? In the future. Um, I I still think Amari Evans can be that elite speedy receiver. I mean, I I want to see him like get more reps so bad, but I don't, I don't know what's been going on there. Um, I think he just might need a little more time to put it all together. But he has so many great great tools, like especially his speed. He's probably a top three guy on the team as far as like pure speed. So I think if he can like um, clean up his route running and you know, some other things, I guess blocking is pretty big. They want those receivers to be able to block downfield. Um, I just, I really want to see him, you know, get some more reps and um, really showcase that speed. So I, I'm holding out hope. I really think he could be um, an elite receiver for us. Maybe, maybe later this year, maybe next year. We'll see. But I think at some point. That's Corey's guy. <laughs> I did not, I did not pay him to say that just so everybody knows I did not pay him to say that. He that was free sure. will. He was he was allowed to say whoever he wanted. Um, he just chose the correct player. So uh, thank you for that. I've been been on. The, I will not get off of the Omari Evans train until no reason to until something I don't know comes to fruition. Which I I'm just as puzzled as you. So um, hopefully hopefully he'll be able to uh, to break through sooner than later. Um, mm. I'm I'm puzzled as well there. Uh, you know, I, UMass is right there, and you know we can talk about UMass, but let's be honest. Like, we want to look ahead a little bit here. We want to kind of look at what Penn State is going to be able to do against Ohio State and Michigan. So, um, before we get into the guest picks and and go down that road, do you have thoughts and feelings on Ohio State? Do you have thoughts and feelings on Michigan, which you'd want to share? You, you saw Ohio State struggle at times against Maryland, although I would venture to say Penn State struggled against Northwestern at times. So you can take that for what you will. Uh, Michigan's looking like they're firing on all cylinders. Finally, they they struggled a little bit, at, you know, against Bowling Green and whatnot, but they looked really good the last two weeks on the road. Um, where is your mind at? Has it changed much from the beginning of the season, or or where? What are you thinking now? I mean, I had in the beginning of the season them splitting those big two with a win at Ohio State, and I would say since the season's like started, we're six weeks in now. Um, I'd, I've only strengthened my stance on that. I mean, like I said earlier, Ohio State just doesn't look like they have it in the trenches, and that's something that Penn State can take advantage of, especially with how the D line's looking now. They looked, um, I say, mediocre in the first two three games, but they've really, really turned it on since probably that Illinois game. They've really started firing on all cylinders so i i think that's the difference maker in that one is penn state's front seven against the ohio state o-line um and i think penn state's o-line can hold up at least hold up against ohio state's front seven so um ohio state still has their playmakers they still have that big playability on offense they're gonna score points but um i'd say penn state what they have in the trenches could put them over the top this year and i'd be a little disappointed if they didn't win in columbus um michigan's going to be a tough one but if you kind of put it into picture and if Penn State does win that game in Columbus, they're going in, what, like 8-0 and against Michigan, something like that. They got them at home. I mean, they, they play everyone close at home. I mean, they don't really get blown out in Beaver, you know, at least under Franklin. We haven't really seen that. Um, so I, I think they could at least make it a really good game against Michigan. I'd still probably lean a loss there, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went into that undefeated. They, they could beat Michigan, I think. That was my preseason prediction, so. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see there. It's, you know, 
you'd go you'd feel a lot better going into Michigan if you had the win against Ohio State. There's no doubt about it. Um, got that game against Maryland before Michigan too. I don't want to worry people on too much, but I'm still not worried about Maryland. Oh, they showed who they are. Uh huh. Oh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying Penn State's gonna lose them or anything. I'm just no. They they have the talent that like a Northwestern didn't have if Penn State decided to do something sleepy like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, all right. Well, we can get into the picks. Um, Dylan, basically how this works, you're gonna pick outright who you think is gonna win for all of these. And then I have a question at the end um, where you get to choose the spread for three games that I have listed. Okay. And that that question's worth two points. Everything else is worth one point. So um, I don't know if people hadn't realized, and I'll, I guess I'll show the pick'em standings uh, once Dylan hops off. But make sure you do your pick'em if you haven't got your picks in yet. Obviously, you have until – I think there's no games on Friday in Big Ten, so I think you have till Saturday. But um, – if you haven't realized, there's less games now. So getting that the spread pick right is is pretty important. Um, la- last week there was only eight total points available, and if you miss the the spread pick, you only get six out of eight. So you know three quarters of your points right there um, is all you're able to obtain. So make sure you uh, make sure you get your uh, your picks in and and really try to get your your spread pick right. We will start with. Indiana at Michigan. Indiana's just looked really bad. I will say Indiana played Michigan pretty well last year for whatever that's worth. Um, but Michigan's looking really strong right now. Is there any chance, Dylan, that Indiana plays with Michigan here? I mean, I I wouldn't say so. I can't really see a scenario where they even keep it close. I mean, Michigan's like, they're just rolling right now, clicking on all cylinders. Um, may, maybe like a one-score game at halftime. You know, Michigan has had some slow starts in the first half, but no, I'd, I wouldn't say this one has any chance of uh, an L for Michigan. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Indiana has been pretty horrific. And, you know, our uh, our one buddy that Corey and I have, uh, we, we were together and we came to the conclusion either Minnesota or Indiana, probably the worst teams in the Big Ten right now. Um, and I think Indiana definitely has a strong case to be. If it was in Bloomington, I'd say maybe they could – possibly keep it close but it's at the big house so michigan wins big yeah i would i would just say northwestern barely beat howard on saturday so i still think they might be the worst team in oh the big they're in the running yeah. but they do have the head-to-head win against minnesota that's true that's a good point that's true for whatever that that's worth that's true uh, i'm gonna go with michigan too Ohio State at Purdue. Could we see a Rondell Moore type game for Purdue? Could they upset the Buckeyes? Is Ohio State looking ahead to Penn State? Any chance the Boilermakers, who just lost to Iowa and had previously just lost to Illinois, so they lost Illinois and Iowa their last two games. Anyway, they, they are Illinois. able to. I, right? Did they? Oh yeah, they did beat Illinois, didn't they? Oh yeah. yeah. So there you go. They're not even. They're not even down in the dumps completely yet. Any chance, Dylan, that that Purdue can beat Ohio State? Yeah, no, I, that that's another blowout. I mean, that's that's a pretty easy pick as well. I don't think that that's even a contest. I I wouldn't even say that one's close to halftime. I think Ohio State will run away with it. Do you think? So you think it's a better chance that Indiana keeps it closer with Michigan than Purdue does with Ohio State? 
I maybe not with the final score, but I just think Ohio State will get off to a faster start maybe than Michigan does. Okay, it's funny that that's that's what we're debating on those two games. Yeah, I'm going with Purdue too. Purdue could be a little frisky, but they won't be with Ohio State. Yeah. So taking Purdue. You're taking Purdue to beat Ohio State? Is that what you just said? Taking Ohio State. <laughs> um. Okay. Could could be an interesting one. Michigan State at Rutgers. Michigan State just looked really awful. Rutgers coming off of a pretty disappointing game at Wisconsin, where I thought maybe they'd play. I didn't. I didn't end up betting on it, but I thought they would have played a little bit better than they did at Wisconsin. There's at least one pick six in there, but. Uh, regardless, Rutgers trying to rebound Michigan State just completely in the dumps. Dylan, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, this could be a sloppy game. They're both coming off pretty uh, physical games, I think. Who did? I'm trying to think. Yeah, Michigan State played Iowa, and then Rutgers played Wisconsin. So they're both um, a little beat up. I, I think Rutgers will win, probably. But it, it could be a close game. That's not one I would want to watch, but it, it could be a good game, close game. Did, uh... Michigan State have a bye last week? I believe so. I think so. So maybe that plays into it at all. But you got Rutgers, is that what you said? Yeah, I'm going to go with Rutgers. Okay. Yeah, I'm picking Rutgers too. Um, it it, it kind of sets up to be every negative stereotype about the Big Ten in this game. No passing um, and just kind of sloppy um, uh, rock fight football. And I think Rutgers is more suited to win a game like that. So that's what I'm taking. Yeah, low scoring affair in this one. I have Rutgers as well. Illinois at Maryland. Be interesting to see how Maryland responds after just collapsing completely in Columbus. Call it the Columbus collapse. Um, Illinois has really kind of been disappointing so far this year. Dylan, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I got Maryland. I think they could win by two scores, three scores. Um, the spread, I, know, I think, is literally 14 right now, so go really? put your money on it. Yeah. Yeah, they um, – I know they lost last week to Ohio State, but they did look a little better in the trenches more than anything else. Like, that, that's what surprised me more than anything else about, about Maryland because they're usually pretty weak in the trenches. But they pushed Ohio State around a little bit, especially on the D-line. Um, Maryland's D-line, that is. But I'd, I'd, I think they'll handle Illinois pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, that's what I have too. Illinois hasn't been good at all this year. Like you could you can make an argument now. Obviously they lost by like twenty points to us. Their best game was against Penn State. And they didn't play particularly well against Penn State. And um I think Maryland wins and they probably cover. You know, the covering to me is interesting because I'm just worried about Tagavailoa running for his life. And I just feel like Illinois actually has a defensive line that could slow down the Maryland offense a little bit. So don't feel amazed. I just don't know how Illinois is going to score, but um, don't feel. Don't know how I feel about the the cover. But yeah, I have Maryland winning too. But I've been thinking about betting on it, but I just just can't quite get over it. And so if I can't convince myself, it's like shopping. If you don't like it in the store, don't buy it. Yeah, it's a weird game to bet on for sure. Because do no. you necessarily trust either team? Right. No, <laughs> no, of course not. Um, okay, this is the last game and probably the biggest game as far as up in the air. Maybe we'll separate the winners from the losers. 
Iowa at Wisconsin. Whoever wins is going to be on top of the Big Ten West with pretty much nobody in front of them. Um, Wisconsin, I don't know who. Wisconsin saw some decent amount of teams to play in the West. Iowa's already played their bugaboo in Purdue. They're they're usually the ones that can't beat Purdue. Um, Regardless, both teams, whoever wins is going to be in, in a really good position there. At Wisconsin, Dylan, who do you have? Uh, I think Iowa's got the upset here. I mean, I know McNamara just went down. That sometimes that you can see like a team kind of get behind whoever the backup is and kind of you know get a little surge. I'd like ride that out, maybe a game or two. Um, I think that could happen here. I mean, Wisconsin just hasn't really impressed me this year, so I'd, I I think Iowa can take that one. Yeah, and I know Washington State is a good team, but that Washington State game does stay in my mind when I think about Wisconsin, just how awful they look that night. Um, that being said, I mean, Iowa's offense is just so, so bad, and it's at Camp Randall. So I'm going to take Wisconsin, but again, don't feel particularly um, fantastic about it. You know... We talk about the the good teams when they play each other and, and two evenly matched good teams play each other. You take the home team when all else is equal. Well, both of these teams aren't good teams and it's but they're probably equal as far as where they're at. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the home team here in Wisconsin, but don't really know how I feel about it because I, I just don't I, I was expecting a little bit more from, from Wisconsin at this point. There's no reason why Wisconsin should lose this game. But that's just something I would do. So um, I'm going to go with Wisconsin as well. So, Dylan, now all we need you to do is you can either take the points or take the cover for one of the three following games. Ohio State at Purdue. Purdue is a 19.5-point underdog. Michigan State at Rutgers. Rutgers is a 5.5-point favorite. Illinois at Maryland. Maryland's a 14-point favorite. So those are your three games. You can choose one and just choose who you want to cover. I do have Rutgers winning against Michigan State, but I think it could be like a two or three-point game. So I think that's probably my safest bet there, even though if it's a close, even though it's a close spread. So I'll take Michigan State to cover. Okay, interesting. Because I'll be honest with you, full transparency, I put money on Rutgers to cover. So just hopefully you're wrong for multiple reasons. <laughs> but oh oh yeah but i should i guess ask um and we'll wrap up the conversation of this before we wrap up the conversation uh we know that you have your podcast going on on instagram do you want to you know for people that aren't aware of you maybe aren't on instagram um where they can find you and, and what you got going on lately yeah it's just at psu dylan on instagram um i think it's the same handle on twitter and TikTok. I might have an underscore between PSU and Dylan on one of those, but if you look it up, you, you, you should be able to find it. Um, as far as podcasts, I'm just going with uh, just little like game previews and recaps right now, but I do want to expand into like a full-fledged podcast at some point here in the near future. So yeah, that's the main three apps that I'm on, but mostly Instagram. Awesome. Well, let's talk Penn State UMass. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, Give us who you think is going to win and why, and then maybe a bold prediction as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I can go with a score prediction. It might um, might change later in the week, but 
I think they can get up in the 60s again. I think I'll go like like 66 to 7 maybe. I, I, it, it shouldn't be a contest. I mean, UMass has looked like an FCS team this year. Um, I would say they kind of do what they did against Delaware and try and impose the run, try and get that rolling. I think we'll see a lot of runs, um, maybe a lot of Bo Pabula, you know, the backups in general. Um, it, it's, if you don't like Penn State football, like, I mean, everyone watching this podcast probably does. But if you're not a Penn State fan, it's probably not a game you're watching. Um, I wouldn't watch that as a UMass fan either. But, um, yeah, just a blowout. It's kind of hard to make predictions about a game like this. But um, as far as bold predictions, I tried this one earlier in the year, but I, I feel like it could happen this week. I was wrong the first time, so maybe I can go one for two. Um I'm going to say that a true freshman on defense forces a turnover, whether it's King Mac, Tony Rojas, Jameel Lyons, um, Kavion Keys. I know I'm missing somebody, but Elliot Washington. I, I think one of those could, one of those guys could come up with a fumble or a pick, something like that. Good That's a fun prediction. One. Yeah, I like that. That was a good one. <laughs> I missed that down. Maybe I'll get that this time. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. So you're not taking the Minutemen in an upset. I don't believe. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was interesting. They've already played seven games, which means they must have played in week zero. They did. It, I watched that game, actually. Was that against? New Mexico State. New Mexico State, yep. And then, yeah, they've played. They, the closest game, I think they were close against Eastern Michigan. I think they lost like 19-17 or something. But yeah. otherwise, they've, they've given up a lot of points to... Some meh teams. So, uh, anyway, Dylan, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, again, go follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Best best Penn State Twitter account, or excuse me, best Instagram account, and not even close. So, uh, make sure you're following him over there. Maybe the second best Twitter account behind us. I don't know. Maybe. But couldn't, couldn't give him that, too. He already has Instagram. Can't give him both. Um yeah. No, but it's always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. And uh, you can just leave, and it will be okay. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. He's just so nice to talk to. Current Penn State student, by the way. Um, yeah, solid. Very solid. Absolutely. So, Corey, mm. we got a game this week. Yeah, we do. You know what? I'm going to be honest with everybody. And I don't like nobody else. No other Penn State podcast is going to do this. I can promise you that. I am not up for this game on Saturday. Completely honest with you. I don't know if I just had a really you got the like. Minute Man coming in. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, actually, the funny thing about the Minutemen was that was our uh, that was our trivia nickname. <laughs> we used to play at Pickles. We were the Minutemen, <laughs> which is honestly fantastic of a nickname. But now we're playing the Minutemen. It's not as funny anymore. Don Brown's I know. mustache. It's just like, I don't know if I just had like a really. And people are going to laugh because I work from home, but I had a cumbersome Monday. Like, I'm just not. I don't know if I'm coming off the bye week blues, but I'm just not there yet as far as. And then you come back and you play UMass. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you're coming back and at least playing a Big Ten opponent. It's 
UMass, which again, I'm happy, right? Like the schedule worked out well logistically, but just in this exact moment, I'm not like overly thrilled about where I'm at and I'm not overly enthusiastic for the weekend. Yeah, honestly, I get it uh, because the idea of basically having back-to-back bye weeks is great, especially when you're playing Ohio State in two weeks. Um, But then when you're living it, it's like, uh, you know, okay, we didn't play a game on Saturday. And then you get UMass. It's supposed to be a crappy day. Hopefully that changes. Um, You know, I I, I do plan on being in attendance for this one, so that should be fun. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our buddy gave us gave us tickets. Oh, <laughs> like so. Yeah. Oh, is he wedding. not going? Oh, yeah, yeah they, they have a wedding. wedding. That's right. That's right. So, I knew that. Beyonce uh, and I'll be there. Just so, making a day trip. Yeah, yeah. We'll be probably leaving late morning. Get back at night. I mean, so it, hmm. it should be it should be a fun day. Like I said, I just I hope the rain holds off. But we'll I don't think it's going to. But... You know, now it's that I know, it's supposed to be crappy for Delaware too, and it ended up being nice. But you just you don't know. <laughs> Mother Nature must knew that you were going to have the tickets, and then it's like it's going to rain now. That was the funniest thing. I know Grant Lachat, long time listener. Grant listened to us from like the very beginning, and Grant had a very funny comment about Sean in the rain, which I think I'll get to in the fan questions portion. But that that cracked me up for a solid like ten minutes. I was giggling to myself. Maddie thought I was going insane, but that was funny. Um, <laughs> You know what's weird, though, Sean? I had to look this up because maybe this is just me, but these two weeks kind of made it seem like the season's, like, taking a long time, and I don't know why. But we're only to the point in the season of um, like the, the Northwestern game last year, which is kind of crazy. Like, the Northwestern game would have just happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first week of October. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 funny because we only get so many game weeks a year. You know, like the college, like the NFL is a marathon. Like, I, I happen to think the NFL season's too long. I, I wish they didn't go to 17 games. And I, I know there'll be people up there like, what do you mean you want, you want less football? Sort of. You know, it kind of makes it a little more special each week than – because the NFL season does get a little long, in in my view. College season is different. Like, it's more, it, it, it's a marathon in some ways, but it is more of a sprint. And this is the last season that it's going to feel like every single game, well, not that, I mean, every game will be important still. But if you lose one, your season's not going to be doomed. And it, it's not going to have that feel anymore in the last season with that. So you kind of have to be on your A game every single week. And the NFL just doesn't have that same feel to it. So, so yeah. Um, kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're going with that either, but we'll, we'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> let's talk. I had a little segment here for Penn State and the NFL. I just want to mention, honestly, Herb Charles former Penn State receiver that went to – he didn't go to Slippery. He went to IUP, right? IUP? Yes. And he had a forced fumble in the Jets' 
Broncos game, which was cool to see there. So nice to see Irv Charles. He just came up from the practice squad and he forced a fumble. So that was that was cool to see there. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Will Fries of all people was doing some good stuff with the Colts, um, blocking some people, scoring some touchdowns. So that's that's cool to see too. Um, that's that's really about it, honestly. Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, there, thank you. Yeah, got to give a shout out to Joey Porter Jr. Big time interception in the end zone. If Baltimore scores a touchdown, their game's over, and he gets the interception. Um, Steelers end up going on to win the game, but yeah, JPJ not not a bad pick. I by thought he couldn't intercept the ball. Yeah, the ball, the ball skill dilemma. Yeah. Not maybe a dilemma after all. Yeah, maybe not. Oh, also, I want to mention it was two weeks ago now, but I don't think we talked about it last week. Jahan Dotson had the tying touchdown in the Commanders-Eagles game. So I'm just kind of curious, and Eagle fans, feel free to tweet at us or if there's anybody in YouTube in the chat tonight. What did you think when he caught that? Because I asked my brothers who were Eagles fans, like, what did you think when Jahan caught it? And they were like, well, we weren't happy, Sean. <laughs> so I want to know what I want to know. I want to know what their what their emotions were like uh, that day uh, when that happened. We do have Beetle Beetle on YouTube. I think this was a bold prediction that he gave us. Penn State's second string shuts out UMass. Don't know if that means the first string is going to shut him out, but the second That's string. That's a good bold prediction. That is a good bold prediction. Everyone's kind of getting better bold predictions than us lately. I feel like we're getting less bold. Well. There's there's a big game coming up, so we'll see what happens. Oh, foreshadowing two weeks away. <laughs> um, okay, so let's preview UMass, shall we? Let's do it. Um, I think did I put something funny for the fun facts? I don't think I did. What I got here. Um, we talked about this in the summer, but Don Brown was a UMass head coach in 2004 to 2008, in case you weren't aware of that. Um, Don Brown, same defensive corner that was at Michigan for a long time. Very aggressive. Don't think he's really been as aggressive because I don't know if he has the exact athletes that he had at Michigan, et cetera. Uh, the defense really hasn't looked great. So take that for what you will. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have the same athletes. Uh, I know this is an old stat, but I still think it's kind of interesting. 2022, because it's just so bad. UMass was outscored 120 to 19 in the third quarter, which, I mean, that's really, really, really bad. Uh, and so I thought what that are they was. What are doing at halftime? I'm not <laughs> doing any sort of uh, adjustments. No halftime adjustments <laughs> were going on there. I can promise you that. Uh, right now, they are a minus two turnover margin, which. I may be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first team that Penn State has faced with a negative turnover margin this year so far. So I think that's a little bit different. Now, a lot of teams after Penn State played them, I think, had a negative turnover margin. But I don't think they had negative turnover margins before playing Penn State. So, Yeah, it's it's usually not a good thing when you're negative turnover margin. You're about to play a team that's been playing like one of the best defenses in the country. Also, it says that Penn State was one and over UMass in 2014. That score, I don't think, is correct. Yeah, I remember that game. I, I remember being sort of unsatisfied with it, but then 
being like, well, we probably have a six or seven win team here. And sure enough, we went about six and six. So. No, oh, because I was I was off by I must have just fat fingered it. Forty eight seven was the final. Okay. I was off, well, then you're right off there. by a single digit, which I think Bill Belton played well that day, if I remember right. I honestly can't remember a single thing from that. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. I I don't I might not even watch the game, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think I watched it at my grandpa's house. I remember Hack didn't play the fourth quarter. That stands out to me. I think it might have been the only game of 2014 for the fourth quarter. Okay, this is where if you're a Penn State fan and you're a defensive line fan, you're salivating at the mouth, like profusely. UMass's offensive line, they did return four guys from last year. That really hasn't helped anything. Currently 112th in sacks allowed. I think they've given up 18. And they are 130th in TFLs allowed. They've given up. Do I have the number here? Let me see if I have the number because it's a stupid amount of TFLs. I think I have it on Twitter. Let me see if I can find it on Twitter because it's atrocious. I mean, it's really bad. I don't know why. Yeah, here it is. 48 TFLs. They've given up 48 tackles for a loss so far this year, which is just insane. Now, I should say this. They have played seven games. So... That still comes still. out to almost seven TFLs a game. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's just really, really, really awful. And so as somebody who had Penn State have 50 sacks in the whole season, as my bold prediction, really need Penn State to find a way to get like a seven. You know it'd be great? A double-digit sack performance. Ten sacks. That'd be awesome. That would really help out on the old bold prediction. So, um, But it's not going to just be sacks. It's going to be TFLs. Sean, I'm curious, though. Do you think that they, like, knowing that maybe they can just get there playing more basic, do you think they play maybe less, I don't want to say gimmicky, but less more less stunts, less chaotic, because they just trust their guys to beat them? Or do you still see the same old Manny Diaz? I mean, he's not really one to switch up what he does, Manny. So I kind of think he'll keep his foot on the gas a little bit. I mean, his defense is sort of is his defense. Not to say he won't ever make a minor tweak here and there. Uh, like last year, we didn't play Minnesota the same way we played Ohio State, and that makes sense. But I think, like you know, with his with the teams that are like UMass, who are just really outmatched, he usually keeps keeps the same same energy more or less. Um. Also, uh, the the Clemson's quarterback. I think Penn State recruited him uh, when he was uh, when he was a Clemson. Yes, um, Tyson. I have it down here. Is it Fumachan. Fumachan. Okay. Okay. Yep. Fumachan. Fumachan. Yeah. Which he. Yeah. So he went to Clemson and then he went to Georgia Tech. And then he's. Mm-hmm. Which I believe he was at Georgia Tech when Sims was at Georgia Tech. And so, I hate to say it, but what does that mean that you couldn't beat out Jeff's? Is it Jeff Sims? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Not great. He's currently Nebraska's quarterback. All you need to know. No, I don't think he's even Nebraska's quarterback. They played the other guy this past. Oh, week. that's right. Yeah. Um, I forget what his name is. He ends with uh, <laughs> It's it's like Harmon is not Harmon, but Harburg. Harburg. Yeah. yeah. Is it Harburg? Something like that. Yeah. It's a double A name. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's H A A. Is it Harmon? No, I think it's Harburg. Yeah, it's it's you know. <laughs> anyway, so he was there, but yeah, he was like he was a really highly touted quarterback coming out yeah. of high school. So, and he's talented. They have the other. I, not sure if he was just banged up, but the other guy played quite a bit as well in between. But Fumachan played the first game, then didn't play for a couple games. He's played the last two. So um, we talked about Karon Lynch Adams in the summer. Really solid running back, honestly. Like very solid, good speed, good balance. Um, he can do some good things. Not sure how much wiggle room he's going to have, but like truthfully a, a solid running back yeah yeah in general um their their skill position guys that they do have some guys that could do some things um you know uh fuma chan he only has three touchdowns three interceptions on the season as Corey said he did miss some time uh their court their running back is averaging over five yards pop um you know we highlighted anthony simmons um he has uh, three games over 100 yards receiving. So they do have some guys that could play at the skill spots. Uh, problem for UMass is that's after that, it, it gets dicey. And uh, as you can see with how many set with uh, them being 112 in sacks given up, 130 in TFLs. Yeah, that's that's where they're going to run into problems against Penn State. Yeah, especially I saw Penn State like third and down, down and distance is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. And so they've done a really good job of getting offenses behind the sticks. And it's probably going to happen again. Um, don't know much about Anthony Simpson, but wanted to show some stats there that they can throw the ball a little bit there. Yeah. And then uh, unfortunately for UMass, it doesn't get much bet better when you switch over to the defensive side of the football. No, no, we can go there now. Um, did I have anything else I want to mention? Uh, 93rd on third down, 36%. 67th in yards per carry. 10 giveaways on the year. Oh, and this is probably the worst thing. Even when I get into the red zone, 115th in red zone touchdown percent. They only score touchdowns in the red zone 47% of the time. So yeah. even, even when they get there, they haven't even been able to put it in the end zone, which is not which is not great. Now, I will say this about the offense. It sounds like they could use a tight end. Adam Brenneman. Adam Brenneman? Um, I think so. Really I will say it. this about their offense, though. It's not saying much because of how bad it was last year. But they were at 12.5 points per game last year, and they're up to 26 points per game this year. So they're moving in the right direction. They're doing better than Iowa's offense as far as points per game goes right now. For whatever that's worth. Um, but also 12 and a half is pretty substantially awful. So um not hard to go up in that in that sense. But hey, I want to give them some credit somewhere. Yep, 84th in scoring offense. So you know, not where you want to be. Uh but like Corey said, it is a step in the right direction. And I mean the the program that Don Brown inherited was just uh not 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 good at all. Um they they've been notoriously one of the worst FBS teams um for the past five or six years now. So. And here's the thing to me, Sean, that I just like they've been in the I remember when they came up, right? It was like them, Old Dominion, and South Alabama, maybe. I want to say they all kind of came up around the same time in the FBS. 
And we've seen other like think about like James Madison now. Just comes up from the FCS and immediately are good. UMass just can't get there. Um, you think of other like other teams like uh, Georgia State kind of came up around the same time UMass is. Georgia State's a, a decent team now. They uh, yeah. they actually play Marshall this week and I think they're one point favorite against Marshall. So th- they've progressively gotten better. And I don't know if it's just the recruiting area and it's hard to to get kids to come to UMass, but I mean it's just not good. They're getting passed by teams they shouldn't get passed by. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, New England is not historically a great, uh, you know, a, a fertile ground of recruit for recruiting. Uh, you know, Penn State has done well in New England. Uh, Tyler Warren's from Massachusetts. Um, you know, uh, Will Levis comes from Connecticut. Um, so Penn State has done well, but I mean, it's it's just not it's not like Georgia uh, where. Uh, you know, maybe a guy's not good enough to get an offer from Georgia, maybe even Georgia Tech, but he's still a good football player and he could do well at the Conference USA level or the MAC level. Uh, for a team like UMass, it's just it's a lot harder. It's a it's a tougher job to take. Um, Silas Red was from Connecticut. Very good. Yes, that is true. I forgot about that. There's actually one other person I had. To, I was curious, so I looked it up. There's other one other person that went to Penn State for a little bit, but then they transferred. But you that you might be able to get. There's actually a couple you might be able to get. Malik Golden's also from Connecticut, but that's not who I'm thinking of. Malik Golden. That's name a, I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, this <laughs> this guy was a linebacker. And um, I think he transferred during the, uh, like when everyone was allowed to transfer in 2012. Oh boy, uh, Kahari Ford. Yep. Yeah, that's right. He wore where, the sticks for a little bit. Where did he go? Cal. Where? I think he went to Cal. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever heard from him again. But. I yeah, thought, I thought he would have gone somewhere better than that. I think that's where he went. Yeah, he wore number eleven. I I don't know. We'd have to ask Brandon Bell if he recognizes Kari Ford as a sticks member. Um, but he did he he did wear number eleven for a while for uh, for a year, I believe. Um, okay, here we go. Went to Penn State. Dislocated his kneecap. Oh, he did get drafted by the Saints. I was going to say, he got drafted okay. by the Saints in 2014. Um, why can't I see where he went to play college at? Yeah, according to his Cal. Wikipedia, he went to Cal. Cal. Yeah. And he went to New Orleans, Seattle, and then Washington. Yeah, so he bounced around the league a little bit. And he was good at Penn State. He just he didn't play his best ball here. You know, he was still... He was still a pretty young player when he was at Penn State. Um, God, you know, you know the Corey, a lot of those guys who transferred out from that 2011 team going into 2012, a lot of them didn't make a whole ton of noise. Like, no, famously Silas Red. So the Silas Red did. really doesn't make sense to me. Like, okay, go to USC. There's other running backs there that were good too. Still thought once he got to the NFL. 
But well, he had a he had an injury, didn't he? He got hurt, and I think yeah. he had injury problems at Penn State too, if I remember correctly. Um, so he had he had the injury bug. Uh, Lane Kiffin was not ready to be a college coach, and I think the whole and, and they they were supposed to be was really Kiffin good that there? year. Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah, know if that I think was Kiffin picked him up in a limo or something as soon as he landed in L.A. And I think he got a little wowed by the glamour and glitz. Of... I wasn't sure if that was Sarkeesian there at that point. Yeah, I'm 99 percent sure it was right before Sark. Gotcha. And then um, Lane ended up getting fired on the tarmac. So when you go back in old 24 seven articles or pages like this that clearly haven't been updated for a long time the suggested articles on the right side are also really old so let me just let me just read some of these to you um sean fitz wrote an article for 24 7 sports on in 2019 mcgloin getting another shot in the xfl um the next suggested article from mark brennan 2018 penn state recruiting dominating the state of connecticut um, Anthony Broom wrote an article 2017 Redskins Redskins sign pair of trial players to contracts. Um, 2017 article Kari Fort to portray Sean Taylor on murder investigation show. Like <laughs> just the most random things on the right side here. So I thought that was, I just looking at these, I mean, these are hilarious. Like what are the reason for these? Is Kari Fort an actor now? I, I guess he portrayed <laughs> Sean Taylor for a murder investigation show. How about that? Should that? I click on it? Should we look into what? Yeah, see see how it went. If we could find that clip, I'm, I'm very curious now. He's on an episode of The Perfect Murder on Investigation Discovery, which is set to show how police handled and solved the murder of the NFL star back in 2007. And he's going to star. He, he, I guess he did star as Sean Taylor, although I never saw that episode. Curious about Kari Fort's acting chops now. And Kari Fort's father played Sean Taylor's father in the same episode, apparently. Very so. interesting. Now, I think Guy Fort actually might be an actor. Sounds like an actor's name. Guy Fort. Yes, he is. He was actually in uh, Law and Order uh, Special Victims Unit. You ever just sit there and put SVU on? No. Special no? Victims is the one where, like, the, it's a really messed up ones, right? Usually. Yeah, they're... Yeah, I really actually don't like those ones. I, they're, like, they're honestly pretty morbid. They could be. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, sometimes like I'm, I'm surprised you don't court you. you like never even in college. Like sometimes in college you were just. I liked SVU Criminal Minds. I like Criminal Minds. I did not really like. Um. Anyway, I'm on Guy Ford has his own Law and Order or not Law and Order has his own IMDb page. So Guy you can Ford find- probably does too. Probably, but I mean, you can actually see like things he was also in. He was in looks like four different things here. I don't see anything that I recognize though. But anyway, random, oh, he was okay. How about this? How about this? He was a guard 
in one episode in The Sopranos. How about that? Yeah. Prison guard or? I don't know. It just says guard. How about that? That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. You know who will like that is Bill DeFilippo. Are you saying that because he's Italian? No, he just a, a big. I think he would like the Sopranos reference. There. I think he's the Sopranos guy. Um, it's a great show. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk UMass defense. Yeah, we really got down the rabbit hole there. We did. That's okay though, because it, it was kind of interesting. At least we think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think so. UMass defense. You know, someone people say that sometimes it's like we're at a bar is what people often tell us feedback wise. You would definitely go down the rabbit hole of guy A for if you're at a bar. Just saying. That was his middle name, A. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it even sounds like an actor. And I have to ask Brandon Bell next time he's on here, is Kari Ford a Sticks member? It's true. I don't know. All right. Tell me about the defense. All right. So their defense, uh, obviously, that's Don Brown's calling card. Um, hasn't been what it hasn't met the same kind of success that. Uh, he had at Michigan, as Corey said earlier, obviously doesn't have the same kind of team. Um, and I know we sound like a broken record. But if there's one game for us to have some explosive plays in the run game, you would think it would be this one. Number one, they're giving up a ton of points per game. They're giving up 100 and they're, they're giving up uh, 39.4 points per game. Uh, that's uh, 129th um, in FBS. Uh, there's only 130 schools in FBS, so they are second last. Um, Penn State, for comparison, giving up less than 10 points per game. Um, they're giving up 220 um, rushing yards per game. Again, not not what you want. So that's why I think if Penn State's going to get off the snide a little bit, uh, especially, um, you know, Nicholas Singleton, if he could get out of this slump a week off in a game against UMass, that's a good way to do it. And I hope, and I think this will be the week that he kind of turns it on. And it would be nice for him to turn it on against, against UMass. Yeah. And right, right before Ohio state. I was thinking about this, like, if not now, then when for for the running game, right? To really just explode. You can't make up these numbers. You can't make them look any better or any worse than they are. You just got to take advantage of it. I mean, you can say the passing numbers are better, but they're not really that good either. So they should be able to do whatever they want on offense. And, um, I mean, I will probably be ready to, to raise the alarm if they're not able to get things going against UMass. So... I'd just say it like that. I mean, no pressure, but just look at those numbers. I mean, just not good. 132nd points per game, 131st rushing yards, 75th in passing yards allowed. Like, that's not good. And if you watch, go just watch some of the Toledo game. You don't even need to watch all the Toledo game. Just watch some of it. Like, they did some good things on offense, but, man, defensively it was a hot knife through butter. So, uh, Deshaun Jerkins, safety, transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, has a pick six this year, has a couple of pass breakups, really like what he's able to do. And then Billy Wooden, defensive tackle, only six foot one inch, 310 pounds, though. Um, four and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. 
And he's like the third leading tackler on a team with 28 tackles, which defensive tackle getting 30 tackles on a year. I mean, just just I know it's not the same, but he'd be leading Penn State's team, I think, right now in tackles. Now, it's for different reasons, but still, like, that's a lot of tackles for a defensive tackle already. So um, shout out to Billy Wooden. I'm not going to say it's a challenge because last time people got so upset when I started saying that lower opponents were a challenge for Penn State. But I think this is a good player, and I think Penn State's going to have to, you know, pay attention to him, and it's going to be a good opportunity for these guards to continue to improve going up against them. So um, shout out to Billy Wooden. You're saying Penn State fans got upset with something on Twitter? I forget what it was. I think it was like a defensive back from a school. And I was like, he's going to... Because it's impossible for lower teams to have any good players, right? No, of course not. Obviously, they don't have anybody any good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you, though. I mean, when... It's important to realize, like, these lower-level teams... You have to be good to play for UMass. Like you have to be a good football player. Now there's a there's a there's a whole different. There's you know it's obviously different. Uh, being good enough to play and excel on a Big Ten team than a team that's uh, in Massachusetts is uh, independent, but they don't have the same kind of expectations that Penn State has. They're not the same kind of independent as a Notre Dame. They're just a team like UMass, their goal is to make a bowl game. And they're happy if they make a bowl. They're thrilled if they can make a bowl game. So it's important to keep that perspective. But it's not like every player on their team can't play. That's just not accurate. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm here for you. You got any other thoughts on UMass? Uh, They're not very good. <laughs> That's pretty much my overall. I tried. Point. I'm gonna be honest with you. I tried to watch some film. Yeah, there. And I just I, I watched some, but I'll just say that I watched some. I didn't watch. Do you a think lot. they're the they if they played Delaware neutral site? Who you taking? Delaware. Probably am too. Now, because Delaware's good for their level. Yeah. Fan question time. Thank you for all the fan questions, as always. First question here is from the GOAT follower. Hot take. UMass is the crossroads of the season. We have two options. Which one do you prefer? Use a lesser opponent to practice the tough plays we need to utilize to beat Ohio State and Michigan. Or two, hide everything from Ohio State. Sean, which one are you choosing? Or would you like to explain this question and maybe provide a different answer? Um... I I I get I get the question I do. It's um I could see how it could be a crossroads because I would like to try some things and I I just don't think we have tried a whole lot. But then in a way I kind of think this is the offense right now. Like I don't think there's gonna be a huge difference between what you've seen in the first five games and what you'll see in the last seven games. I do think there'll be more. I think there'll be more downfield passes. I do uh, as the season goes on, and I think they've taken a careful approach. And I think that's kind of been the story of this year so far has been being careful. And I think they'll take some more shots in this game. I do uh, because they're going. They're going to have to. 
in the rest of the year. They're going to have to have, uh, you know, Corey and I were actually texting about this off air. Um, at some point, they're going to need Drew to make some throws and so to go downfield and for the receivers to be able to make those catches, run good routes, get separation. They're going to need it, so I think you'll start seeing it this week. Yeah, yeah. I just don't subscribe to the belief that Penn State's ha- like hiding a bunch. I think they've shown actually quite a bit. And so by showing so much and making a defense prepare for so much, they actually don't prepare for very much, if that makes sense. When you have to prepare for everything, you don't prepare for anything. And so I think that's actually more possible than, say, them trying to keep things in the bag. So I guess those are my two cents on that. Next question here is from Dorito Bandit, longtime listener of the show. After watching Maryland's defensive line yesterday, has your opinion of our chances to win in Columbus changed? Personally, I think if we can stop the run, Ohio State might be in trouble. Sean, you want to go first? Yeah. My opinion about the Ohio State game has not changed. Okay. Um, I will say this. Not that it is changed but i do think maybe the chances in my opinion have gotten better whether or not you think they're going to win or not i think those chances have improved after what you've seen so far from ohio state just in general like like dylan kind of mentioned on the show earlier today they have and will always have explosive players that can score in an instant so that's just nature of the beast but the quarterback play around it and, you know, the offensive line, even the running back talent maybe isn't as scary as it has been before. So take that for what you will. Now, I will say this. I'm nervous about – I think this is one of the better Ohio State defenses they've played in quite some time, which, I mean, pick your poison. Do you, would you rather Ohio State have a better offense or a better defense than usual? I don't really know the answer to that question. I just don't – I don't see a lot of points being scored in that game, to be honest with you, right now. Just just where I'm at. It could be a first to 24, 27 points wins. Yeah. If, if, you had, if you're telling me that Penn State has to score 27 on Ohio State to win, I'm right now I'm a little nervous about that. Yeah, and I understand that. I do. Um and they may not have to score that much. Um, remember, uh, well, how how much did Maryland score last week? What was the final? Was it 31-13? 17, 37-17. 37-17. Well, they scored 17. And I do think we have a better offense than Maryland. Um, and that was at the shoe. So, yeah, I mean... I think it's going to be, you know, this Ohio State team is a little different than they had been. Um, they play that Jim Knowles style defense. They play a lot of two linebackers. Uh, it's it's a little different than what you see in the Big Ten usually. It's definitely more of a Big 12 philosophy. Um, so maybe we could get, maybe we could have some success in the run game. Maryland did have some success in the run game, especially early against Ohio State. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. That that to me was the maybe one of the biggest positives was Maryland was picking up third downs, third and shorts on the ground like it was no big deal. Like that was a good sign. Yeah, and I mean, if Maryland didn't go full Maryland, they did a lot of shoot themselves in the foot, as they tend to do. Uh, the the interceptions were pretty brutal. Um, they they were there were some things that they could have definitely done differently, and I think they would have that game would have been closer in in the end. But you know, Maryland's gonna Maryland, right? Um, next question here. This is from Grant Lachat. This is the question that I will end the, the remark that I think was so funny. So Grant Lachat says, what are three things that you'd like to see in the UMass game that would make you both feel really good heading into Columbus? So it's the same token. And then he says, side note, it looks like it will be wet for the game on Saturday. Rest in peace, Sean. And again, if you go back to last year, specifically around the Northwestern game, so I guess literally over a year ago now, um, Sean had some good remarks about not going to any more wet, snow, cold games. And uh, we're getting to that point of the season, Sean. So buckle in. Buckle I know, up. I know. Um, All right. Three things, Sean. If you have three good ones, then just take the whole question. If you only have, like, two good ones, I'll fill in for one. All right. I'll give it three. Uh, number oh. one, nicer weather than expected because I'll be at the game. Uh, number two, um, yeah, I want to see some more uh, more downfield shots. Uh, Don Brown, we all know his defensive philosophy. He loves to blitz. He loves cover zero. Take some shots. Let's see what happens. They should be there. Um, and third, I want to see Singleton get over 100 yards. I think it's time. Um so, yeah, those are three things that would make me feel better. Um, you know, the two things that are football specific uh, with the team. And, yeah, I, I feel like if if they could work, you know, those the, the biggest complaint you've heard from Penn State fans thus far is the lack of explosiveness. And if we could show that we have the ability to be explosive, even against a team like UMass, and I know it's UMass, uh, I think it will put the fans' mind at ease, minds at ease a little bit. I think it will put some of the players' minds at ease. Um, and, you know, just especially Singleton, maybe to stop pressing and just get back to what he does best, which is just run that rock. Don't think. I'll throw in another one. How about a special teams touchdown? That'd be cool. I'm always there for special teams touchdowns. There you go. Next question from Lucas Powers. More of a hot take, but Drew Aller should throw a pick in this game just to get it out of the way. John, do you think Drew Aller should throw a pick just to kind of break the ice there and not have that maybe – I don't know if it's necessarily hanging over his over his head a little bit there, but do you think it's just better to get it out of the way now versus Columbus, assuming it happens against Ohio State? Let me put it this way. I'd rather him throw his first interception against UMass than Ohio State. So if I had to pick one – I pick UMass. So yeah, it really it probably wouldn't upset me that much if he threw an interception this week. Yeah, I just say And don't I want him to either. take more chances. Yeah, I want him to take more chances. So if that comes with an interception here and there, what are you gonna do? So what? I just don't I say just don't throw in either. Or at all the whole season. I mean that's fine. Uh <laughs> fine with me. 
DJ Bennett asked us, with the motto, good teams win, great teams cover, where would you put your money in these look-ahead lines that were on FanDuel last week? Penn State, currently a six-and-a-half underdog at Ohio State. Penn State. What? Take Penn State. And then Penn State, two-and-a-half versus Michigan as an underdog. Which one would you rather choose? Penn State over Ohio State. Um, six and a half, that, that's a lot. I know it's on yeah. the road, and they're going to give them a few more points than they would at Beaver Stadium. Uh, but six and a half is a lot in, in my mind. Yeah, six and a half is quite a bit, too. I agree with that. Will Gamble, will we see Drew Aller and his receivers on the same page in this game? We have seen the receivers not looking good or blocking or not looking when they get targeted. I butchered that completely, by the way. So that was not Will Gamble unable to tweet. That was Corey's ability to not be able to speak. Um, basically, are they going to be on the same page this weekend or not, Sean? God I damn it, they, we deserve an answer. <laughs> I think they will. I think they will. Uh, and a lot of that's because Harrison Wallace will be back, I, I think. Um, we're expecting Harrison to be back. I do want him to play this week. Uh, there are some guys that, you know, if you're banged up a little bit, okay, you could sit out, but... Harrison Walls hasn't played a ton since the West Virginia game. So I wouldn't want him to be rusty for Ohio State. So he's a guy that I think needs to play uh, this week. And I think that I think that alone will solve some of the communication issues. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all in on uh, Trey Wallace kind of making things better for Penn State. And if that doesn't work, I don't know what we do at that point. So Yeah, then we're in trouble. So no pressure, Harrison. Right. Final kind of fun question here from JT's card swap. How many rushing yards does Bo Prabila have in relief duty? I'm going to put the over under at 76 and a half. Um, I'm going to go under only because um, I think we're going to give Tank Smith some touches. I think they would like to see a guy like Tank Smith score. Trey Potts is going to be playing some in relief, I'm sure, as well. Um, it's 76 is a lot and a half. And James Franklin really doesn't take Drew Aller out or his starter out until usually a drive into the second half. And 76 is a lot to ask from your quarterback in one half of football. All I have to do is break one. Yeah, maybe I should put it like 64, but still. Um, I might be more inclined to take to take ball at 64. Okay. Uh, how about Cam Wallace getting involved? Wouldn't that be nice? Just some random. It would. It would. Um, I don't know if London Montgomery's ready or not yet, but it would. I was actually think Cam Wallace might have played this year, and I, I didn't really think he burned his red shirt, but I thought he played a little bit. Yeah, that's why I think and, you might see him on Saturday. Yeah, and like this, like after this game, like you know, obviously Iowa State, I definitely don't expect him to play. Um. Indiana, there's a chance. Rutgers, there might be a chance, but uh, Michigan State, there might be a chance. But I mean, this is kind of the last game for those walk-ons and um, you know freshmen to get some guaranteed time, right? I think. And again, they can play in four games plus the postseason. Possible, so, yep. yeah, they got plenty of opportunities right now. Thank you guys all for those fan questions. Again, if you want to drop a fan question to us at hardcore PSUFB on Twitter, you can also 
shoot us a question on Instagram, which I don't think our boy on Instagram messaged us a question. But if he did, I apologize, Tyler. But that's okay. Um, Sean, are you ready to get into the predictions? Yeah, I just want to note uh, a tweet that we just sent out. Uh, we tagged Bill Filippo in about Kari Ford's dad. Uh, a Sopranos fan page liked the tweet. So every, every the Sopranos frame in order. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. So this, they're literally posting a a, a picture of every episode of the Sopranos. Soprano fans. I mean, some of them are super, super hardcore. But not even like, like every frame. Like, (laughs) that's going to take forever. They're on season two already, which is honestly more impressive. God, they post like, yeah, they post like every few minutes. I'm sure you just got to watch an episode and just screenshot it. And then, you know what I mean? Like once you're already in the thick of it, you can't stop until you get an episode done. (laughs) It's a um, it's a fun show to watch, so I do understand it. I like it, but I'm not like as like I thought it was good. I didn't wasn't like blown away by it. Maybe because I just didn't like I didn't watch it when it was coming out. Maybe that was it. But so when you can go back and binge it, maybe it doesn't have the same vibe as like like kind of like Grey's Anatomy. Like Grey's Anatomy was like a thing for a little bit there too like gotta go home and watch my grays yeah and then all the doctors started dying yeah and i just can't believe that show is still running but my point is like seinfeld was like that too like i like seinfeld don't get me wrong but like being able to watch like and have the anticipation of having to wait for the next episode right yeah i think that's yeah like in 10 years people watching stranger things they might be like really get what the hype was about I haven't watched Stranger Things yet, to be honest with you. It's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. I I enjoy it. Um, what's your favorite all-time series? Hmm. Comedy, probably The Office. Love The Office. Um, yeah. Watch The Office a bunch. Um, not non-comedy. I don't know. That would have to make me think a little bit. I'd have to. I have to think pretty hard about that. I really like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is probably up there. I was not upset about the ending as much as everyone else was. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about non-comedy shows a little bit more as far as like. I just feel like sometimes the non-comedy ones get stretched out too long sometimes. And then uh, it's like they do. Meh. They do that. Ha- that's what happened with my all time favorite, which was the West Wing. Um, Aaron Sorkin was the writer the first four seasons and then five, six, and I think there's a seventh season. It just wasn't the same. Uh, But it's still my all-time favorite. I really liked House of Cards until he was a freak. Well, yep, Kevin Spacey. (laughs) Yeah, but I really liked House of Cards. Like, I really liked it, and then it it just wasn't very good there at the end, but was really good. The same thing, like, first three seasons were phenomenal. Right, but yeah, a lot of times, like you said, they die off. I also really liked, and maybe it's because I'm a Star Wars freak, I really liked Andor and Mando. So. Yeah, I, I like those two. I just haven't, I've watched them. I haven't, I didn't get as hooked on them 
per se, as maybe other people did. I liked them, but wasn't in love with them. Mandalorian, I I would say Mandalorian is really good. Yeah. And or not, maybe not so much, but um, you ready for some predictions? These people are waiting for predictions. Yes, let's, let's just do predictions now. This is what I'm talking about, Sean. We never have these kind of conversations like this. Especially during the season. Not ready for. I just gotta get out of UMass, man. I gotta. I'm saving all my juices for Ohio State, and that sounded inappropriate, but whatever. Um, who went first for predictions last time? I think I went first last time for a bold prediction. So you go first this time, a bold prediction. Okay. Um, a guy we talked about a lot uh, the past few weeks, and you know we've been kind of hard on Nick Nicholas Singleton. Uh, Average three point yards to carry right now. Uh, he's still a special back. He's still a great back when he's playing at his best. And I think this was a good week for him, kind of, you know, get better for the offensive line to hold their blocks longer to give him a chance to get that long run. And I think he has a really good week this week. I think he goes over a buck fifty. I got him over 150 yards and two touchdowns. That's sort of my prediction was going to be. Mm. So, you know what I'm going to do? I literally have that down. I'm going to cross out mine. Since Sean took my bold prediction, I'm going to change mine. And I'm going to go that this defense has 10 sacks. 10 sacks? 10 sacks. Why not? Let's do it, man. Think about I mean, they got... They got the starters to be able to do it. They got the backups that got to be able to do it. They got the third stringers that are able to do it. They continue to stay hungry. It's going to be a sloppy kind of game out there. UMass gets behind. They're trying to throw the ball a little bit. Ten sacks. Bold prediction. We want a bold prediction? Ten sacks. I could see it. I could see it. And I think that, you know, we were asked, like, what, what a positive sign would be. If this defense could stay razor sharp, after a bye week, after you play Northwestern, uh, you don't have a look ahead at all. And they could just thoroughly dominate you. I think it is a good sign. That shows the maturity of a team. Yeah. Which you, it's not always guaranteed. And um, just that they're really bought into this one and all mentality that James Franklin has has preached since he's since he's been at Penn State. And you stay sharp going into Ohio State, which is what you really want. Yeah. Well, with that being said, we'll can give our uh, score predictions. I think. Remember who went first last time? I don't. Uh, you go first since I went full first with full predictions. Yeah, and I think that's honestly how we usually do it. So that that's good. Okay. Okay. Uh, score prediction time. UMass. I have Penn State winning 63 to 3. And I think they'll get three points. The weather is the only part that maybe makes me nervous, but I think they're going to be fine offensively, and I think they're going to be able to dominate. So why not? 63 to 3. I don't think the weather's going to be that bad where they're not going to be able to throw the ball. So 63 to 3. I think they'll also get helped by probably some short fields by the defense. So that's what I, I got. Have, I have Penn State 59 to 8. So 
Uh, I think UMass chases some points at the end. They get a two-point conversion, and Penn State, uh, they score seven times. Six of them are for touchdown, or they score eight times, or nine times, and eight of them are for touchdowns. Math. We were doing really well on math today until that. Yeah, that, that, that's a little embarrassing, I don't know why. But, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Both Sean and I have uh, blowouts. Let us know on Twitter or wherever else you're listening that uh, what your score prediction is, and we will be back on uh, on Monday to discuss those. So again, no episode on Wednesday. We'll be back on in a week from now on Monday to quickly recap UMass, hopefully, and move on to Ohio State week. And really, Sean, see, I get excited thinking about Ohio State a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not so much for UMass. And guys, let's be honest, next week we'll talk about UMass. It'll probably be Ohio State heavy because I know you guys probably aren't going to be asking a ton of questions on Sunday and Monday about UMass. It'll probably be almost all geared toward Ohio State. So we're going to have a lot of Ohio State next week as well, and next Monday. And then, of course, all Wednesday will be dedicated to Ohio State. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Stoke. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Please make sure you like the video on YouTube. Please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at State Media. And if you're listening on podcast form, please, 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 please subscribe wherever you're listening. We will see you in a week. Until then, stay dry and have a good, happy homecoming. Enjoy the Generations of Greatness uniforms. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Good night.